Welcome to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. And welcome to another episode of the DWZ. That's right, the Dynasty War Zone's very own rookie rundown. Guys, it is great to be back in your ear holes here. As always, I am your host, Dallas, and you can find me on Twitter at Salad Galore. That is backwards, Dallas Galore. And it's been a little bit since you've heard my voice, most likely. I haven't made many guest appearances. Work has been kicking my butt for the better part of about a month. And then I was on vacation in the beautiful state of Wisconsin. Uh, specifically the cities of Madison, uh, Sheboygan, and Milwaukee, doing a little bit of camping, a little bit of sightseeing, and introducing my girlfriend to uh, one of my favorite places in the country, to be honest with you. Um, But yeah, we are back, and it's the first installment of the actual regular season rookie content that I have for you. And it's a it's a fun thing. I used to do this as an article version for um, two different websites, actually, and it is my rookie report card segment. So I like to break the season up into quarters. Um, I will be going over basically every single rookie that was drafted of relevance. I'm going to be honest. I pretty much cut everyone out in the sixth and seventh round because there hasn't been anyone of any type of relevance from any position whatsoever outside of one backup quarterback in that range that is even worth talking about. So those guys really won't be. There are a couple of UDFAs that I will bring up here just to chat about as guys to keep your eyes on going forward that have been getting snaps and even touches for a couple of them. Um, but we are going to be going through just the general rankings of grades, how uh, all you people that are still in school understand it very well. For those of you that have been out for a couple of years, such as myself, understand as well, um, A, B, C, D, F, um, general grades. And then I have an I category related to injuries. People that have basically not seen the field at all this season due to injuries can't really evaluate them at all. But there are some that I am very interested in acquiring specifically for the remainder of the season coming up. And I'll touch on those when we get to the category. But I feel like just the best way to start it out is to start out with the obvious ones going through the A, B, C, D, F in sequential order like that. And then talk about the injury guys last Every single player that I talk about here, I will be basically going over my general rating for the player, uh, my general observations of how they've done specifically regarding the different parts of their position, how they're fitting into their offenses and targeted um, target-wise um, competition on their teams, as well as going um, in general trade advice, whether or not I'm trying to acquire them or trying to not acquire them right now due to their current pricing as well as just kind of gloat and or um, you know kick myself in the ass a little bit regarding some players that I should have been paying more attention to or players that I hit right on the nose and hopefully you guys listen to during your rookie drafts. But without further ado, I feel like it's just a good time to dive right in here into my A categories. My A's are my studs, and there are only actually going to be five guys in my stud category. So there's going to be a couple of guys on this list that you will probably be surprised or a little upset with me that I do not have in the stud category based off of a couple of games that said players have had, but my main difference between those players and my studs is the consistency. These five players have consistently put up playable and usable flex numbers, and for two of them, wide receiver two numbers through the first four games of the season. 
the five players on the list for me, it's going to be four wide receivers and one tight end that I'm going to be talking about. I'm sure you can guess who it is. But without further ado, the guy that we have to get off you know, my chest early and often in episodes this season is Mr. Chris Olave with the New Orleans Saints. Um, you guys knew how much I loved him prior to the season, prior to the draft even, and how bullish I was on his talent and it translating to the NFL. And guess what? That's exactly what's happening with Chris Olave. I was actually concerned a little bit prior to the season, right before kickoff, due to the target competition that we were going to see. I didn't think Jameis was going to be slinging the ball as often and as accurately as he has been this season, even with the injuries. And Olave has been the favorite target of not only him, but as well as when and Taysom is in the game, and last week with Andy Dalton taking over due to the injury. Olave is currently the only player in the league that's a rookie that is averaging over 15 points a game for you currently at the wide receiver position, which if he keeps this up, which is very sustainable based off of the target totals that he's getting, it's something that can give you a high-end wide receiver too at the end of the year, which is exactly what you're looking for. Olave is exceeding any and all expectations that I had for him this rookie season. He's becoming a mainstay on a lot of teams, and he's a guy that I would still be moving for right now because the thing is, we've seen consistency. There hasn't been a lot of boom games. We haven't seen that 35-point game from him yet. There's just been consistently 8-for-80 type of games. And that's what I love to see because PPR points, that's going to give you that basically 15 points a game, which is all I'm asking for. If he gets a touchdown, awesome. He has a boom week. If he doesn't, guess what? You still have that super safe floor. I was comping him a lot to Calvin Ridley, and that's exactly kind of the production that you're getting from a guy like Chris Olave right now. As the touchdowns start to pour on more and more, you're going to be seeing this guy skyrocketing in price and skyrocketing in the dynasty ranks at the wide receiver position. Right now, he's still behind guys like Drake London, and Garrett Wilson in this class for a lot of people just due to some of the big games that we've seen from those two. But for me, Olave is still the tried and true guy. And he's actually right now the guy I'm trying to acquire quickly because I don't think you're going to be able to buy him come midseason when I actually do my week eight report card episode. So go out and acquire Olave. I'm very comfortable moving a 2023 first in plus for him right now um if you are able to basically move a 2023 plus with one of the other guys that's kind of been stalling or hasn't shown exactly what you're wanting from um in this class thus far uh, i.e i would be pretty comfortable moving george pickens in a first at this point for chris olave and i don't even balk at that saying that aloud um it's just the consistency, guys, and I think it's going to continue to produce. The number two player on this list is Mr. Drake London. Mr. Drake London has also been pretty consistent due to just the massive target volume that he's been acquiring in Atlanta. Kyle Pitts is all forgotten, basically, in that offense for some reason, as Drake London has basically become the favorite target for Marcus Mariota in this offense. Him and Cordero Patterson have been for all intents and purposes, just kind of destroying people in garbage time, which is pretty much all you could have expected from this Atlanta offense and all that I really needed to see on this offense. Um, right now, Drake London is averaging right around 13.5 points per game. Um, as I said before, he has had a boom and a bust game, so he's a little bit less consistent than a guy like Chris Olave, but you can't hate the numbers. Right now, he's averaging right around eight targets a game, right around that five and a half to six receptions per game, and he's put up basically 
65 plus yards in every single game except for this last bus game where it was just an ugly game against Cleveland for Atlanta. The offense wasn't in sync. He's also put up the touchdown numbers. And overall, uh, as a rookie, he's sitting right at 80% um, snap share, which is what I want to see from my guys. Drake London is a guy that I think is still attainable, but he's going to be probably a little bit harder to get than a guy like Chris Olave, just because there's still the understanding that he does have those giant games in the giant ceiling that maybe Olave does not have, um, you would just be lacking the consistency. So uh, again, this is a guy I'm going out trying to acquire. I wouldn't be as aggressive for moving up for a guy like London, but there has been enough hype plays again for a guy like Pickens, who is in my B category. I'll just tell you right now that I would be very comfortable doing Pickens in a second for a guy like Drake London. I don't know if that gets it done, um, but that's the type of trade that I would go and move for. I wouldn't overpay for him right now, but he has been extremely consistent, and that's why he is in my A category. Um, the guy who started off the season pretty much hotter than any other wide receiver and then cooled down only in week three in a very tough matchup against Philadelphia was Mr. Jahad Dotson. Jahan Dotson, although not pacing his team in targets like the other two, and although not having a illustrious yardage total has been a touchdown machine this year. He has four in four games and has consistently seen over five targets a game for the Washington Commanders with Carson Wentz at the helm. Um, part of that, as I've alluded to a little bit in the Patreon chat, which if you are not a member of the DWZ Patreon, you need to be. Um, it is a great place to share ideas, and you will get a ton of redraft content this time of year from us constantly with rankings, waiver wire sniping articles, pretty much everything you can expect from a full network. We've got it. Um, he is a guy that has just been pacing in touchdowns. And like I said, I was chatting a little bit about this in the group chat. Um, it's probably not sustainable, the touchdowns, and it's probably not sustainable that this offense is keeping and propping up three wide receivers in the form of Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and Jahad Dotson because Carson Wentz is averaging 42 attempts passing per game. And that's just because the team's so bad. I just don't see that for going for too much longer. Um, once Brian Robinson comes back, which feasibly could be next week in week five, um, it the offense is going to change a little bit. Um, you're going to see a little bit more of a run-heavy script, I think, as long as they're not falling behind by two touchdowns, which is kind of what the Washington Commanders are wanting to do. But Jahad Dotson has been extremely consistent. Um, he's got a lower floor than some of the other guys. He reminds me a lot of a guy like Jarvis Landry when it comes to consistency and getting open. It's just he doesn't have a great quarterback right now. Um, if he was being fed, I think we would be seeing a season that's very similar to what J um, Jalen Waddle did last year just from a pure consistency in catching the ball and pure consistency of being able to get the yards and touchdowns necessary to succeed in the league. But right now, Dotson, I'm loving what I'm seeing from him. He was my wide receiver six post-draft after you know the immediate reactions and all that um, jazz that I did for that. Uh, he was a guy I wasn't high enough on, but he was a guy that I was telling you all to pick up just due to the fact of his cost. You were getting him at the beginning of the second round for a guy who we knew was going to be a starter on a pass first team in Washington, and he's doing exactly what you would anticipate. The number four player in my A tier right now is Mr. Romeo Dubs. Romeo Dubs with the Green Bay Packers, um, albeit not as fast a start as some of the other guys, has been a breadwinner for Mr. Aaron Rodgers the last two weeks. He's put up eight targets 
He's averaged seven receptions over the last two weeks in that same span, as well as a touchdown in each of the last two games. He's been on the field for 89 plus percent in the last two games as well of the snaps, and he has become Aaron Rodgers' go-to target, specifically on third down, along with Alan Lazard, which is great to see. They're pretty much the only two guys that are consistently getting passing down work outside of Aaron Jones on dump downs. So the offense is right now is running through a rookie a tried and true guy that Aaron Rodgers trusts and one of the best receiving backs in the league in Aaron Jones. So when I'm looking at this Green Bay offense, I see it continuing. Christian Watson is flaming out epically, just like I anticipated was going to happen. So hopefully you didn't burn a first round, even if it was a late one on a guy like Christian Watson. Hopefully you were picking up guys like Jahad Dotson and that preseason hype train that was happening with Romeo Dubs seems to be there. Um, he's a guy I'm attempting to probably avoid trying to acquire. Right now, I am not confident that this team is going to look the same as what it's going to look next year. Dubs looks to me like a complimentary piece, but the forced targets that he's getting specifically from Aaron Rodgers, I just don't see really going forward. If you remember my analysis on Dubs, I said that I liked him as a prospect, but he had to be in an offense that was going to force feed him a heavy target volume, just like Nevada did the last two years. And that's exactly what's happening. I just... I'm not super confident that we're going to continue to see a guy like Dubs. He's a guy that I would actually be trying to sell high right now going off those last two games. Those last two games of eight-plus targets. Look, he's Aaron Rodgers' guy now. He's, here's a wide receiver. You can probably flip a guy that you were getting in the late third and or early fourth of this rookie year's draft for a first-round pick next year right now, which you know, quadrupling, tripling your um, you know investment. It's time to sell. Um, the odds of him turning into a next Devontae Adams are slim to none. He doesn't have the same separation skills or skill set right now. Um, he's just kind of being force-fed targets. So that's a guy that's a stud. He way exceeded my expectations. I'm loving what I'm seeing from him, but I would be trying to move on. Those are my last four wide receivers in the A group. The last player in this category for me is Mr. Daniel Bellinger. Um, this is the guy that I am happy with and proud to say that I was on the train before it even left the station. Um, Daniel Bellinger is doing what I thought he was going to do. Um, it's not a heavy pass volume offense there in New York Giants in the uh, you know Jersey Bay, but what Bellinger has been doing is consistently seeing the field and basically being the only tight end on said field right now. Um, as of we're recording, he has averaged a 60% snap share, which for a tight end one is pretty much what you're wanting to see. If you're not a pass heavy offense, that's about all you're going to get. And there is a little bit of a rotation with some of the better blocking tight ends because although be it, he is okay at blocking. He is not the best inline blocker. So right now he's just kind of a move tight end that they're using in the passing game. But the last two weeks, he's averaged four receptions a game. You're seeing a consistent stat line of basically three receptions for around 30 yards, which in normal PPR doesn't seem that great but he actually is averaging seven yards sorry not seven yards seven points a game right now over his three games of playing this season and it's something that I'm very excited to see he's a guy that albeit he has not exploded yet I'd be sniffing around I'd be trying to grab him and he's probably still on a lot of the waiver wires in your redraft he's a guy that if he starts getting consistent work if you have the bench space you have deeper benches and redraft I would be going out and trying to acquire and in dynasty definitely trying to acquire him on the cheap before you start to see those big games um, like I said he hasn't had over 8.6 normal PPR points yet. 
So that's pretty much the ceiling. People aren't super enamored with him. And he's a name that's still not sexy in the community. So I'd be going out and trying to acquire him at a cheap discount rate before he actually shows consistency at the double digit mark. I do think that is coming at some point, um, albeit it <laughs> may not be in the next couple of weeks because right now I don't really know if New York Giants are going to have a quarterback that can throw the ball. But it's okay because they were still able to beat my Bears without one. Um, but that is the end of my A group. Those are all guys that have exceeded expectations for me as rookies through the first four weeks of the season I would be attempting to acquire four out of the five with dubs being the only one I'm attempting to sell at the high right now that he's on I see just kind of a steady eddy for him over the next couple weeks but in all reality Christian Watson will probably start doing better this offense will go a little bit more run heavy as it progresses down the season and they start playing a little bit harder of opponents and you're going to see a little bit of a different outlook long term with the team. And moving on to my B-ranked players, this is my optimistic category, and in total, there are eight players that are in this category. Now, for a lot of you who like your running backs, there's probably two names that you were expecting to hear in my A category, but unfortunately, there are two players in this B, uh, B category that I'm optimistic about, but that have not actually shown me the consistency that I want to see in the first four weeks or the production when given the touches in the first four weeks to, you know, earn that A spot on my list. Those two names to shock to no one due to who I left off are Mr. Damian Pierce with Houston and Mr. Brees Hall. Both of these players kind of fall in the same category. Brees Hall has had a boom game as well as Damian Pierce has, but every game outside of those two single games has been highly suspect for the two players of note. Um, they both basically have a 30-point a game on the resume and then two extremely underwhelming games as well as a middle-tier game in the double-digit range. That's about what you've seen. Uh, we've seen consistent touches given to Damian Pierce on two consistent bases now over the last two weeks, and we've finally seen him start to kind of rev up a little bit. But... He was the only back of the roster. We saw what was going to happen, and we expected this type of usage. It's just the production and the lack of um, consistent production as a team due to the offensive line that is still concerning to me. Um, he's a guy I would probably be attempting to move high right now. It's extremely smart just because even now with the production that he's seeing in this offense being force-fed over the last two two weeks, I would still probably have about six running backs that I have ranked above him in the 2023 class even with the production that he's shown over the last two weeks. He's a guy I would be trying to get high capital for based off his production over the last two weeks, and I'm optimistic for this year, but not really the long-term outlook for a guy like Damian Pierce in that offense. Mr. Brees Hall, um, kind of a, a similar yet different type of scope. He's consistently basically put up about 10 points a game is about what you've seen. He had his biggest game of 15.8 in PPR last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he is still bleeding so much work to Michael Carter that it's not an offense that I liked prior to the season. All the wide receivers are playing just kind of a, oh, this is my week type of game while the other ones basically flounder. Last week it was Corey Davis. The week prior it was um, Garrett Wilson and the most consistent player on offense really for the entire team has been Tyler Conklin, their tight end, who's been basically averaging eight targets a game at the tight end position. Again, this is an offense that has been throwing the ball like insane numbers over the first four weeks because they've had two crazy come from behind victories against two very good teams. 
but I don't see that continuing. Um, they may continue to run the ball. You hope that the snap percentages, which have capped out at 51 and 66 over the last two weeks for a guy like Brees Hall, continue to improve. One of the biggest issues for him right now apparently is his pass blocking. That's a large reason as to why he has not been in the game more. Michael Carter has been a tried and true guy on third down and has been gaining a lot of targets. But Brees has seen 17 targets over the last two weeks to go along with his total 25 touches. So it is something that is very nice to see from this player. Um, I'm optimistic that it will improve his value and, he probably is about as cheap as you're going to get him right now, just due to the fact of how much work Michael Carter has continued to get. Um, I would probably be attempting to acquire a guy like Brees Hall still on the cheap, moving a big-named player for him, uh, moving a guy like Dalvin Cook um, after his first big game, which hopefully is this week against the Chicago Bears for fantasy purposes, um, is something I would be attempting to do right now to a guy who's looking to contend who was able to put Brees Hall on his roster, which I know is not always the case for a lot of guys, but there are those teams. I'm actually in two leagues where the guy that's 4-0 uh, right now in both of those leagues and in number one place is actually has Brees Hall on the roster and probably isn't super happy with him. Um, but going on to the other guys in my B category, uh, another running back to follow up with those two is Mr. Isaiah Pacheco. Um, this is a guy that, as a lot of people know, he was the sleeper for this year. Um, he has not seen a consistent workload at all in the team's games. Uh, the only games where he's seen consistent work are complete blowouts when they are taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of the game, and that is because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire right now is one of the, uh, I think he's top three efficiency-wise rushing the ball in the NFL right now. Um, he has absolutely lit the league on fire this year with his pass-catching work and his rushing work. He hasn't seen a crazy um, carry total or a crazy receiving total in any of his games, but he's seen a consistent touch total over 20, combining either heavy rush games or heavy receiving games. Pacheco's pass blocking is the thing that's keeping him off the field right now. It is atrocious. Um, they haven't actually been playing him on third down a lot, even late in games, because he's getting Patrick Mahomes rushed and basically killed anytime he's on the field. A lot of the scramble plays from last week's game where you saw the Houdini stuff from Mahomes is because he was getting just destroyed in Pacheco's pass blocking. Um, he's a guy that I am still trying to acquire. Hasn't had any crazy high games. He's probably cheaper now than what he was at the beginning of the season. Um, and those that have him can't say that he's been helping their team really all that much if they've been forced to play him. Plus, uh, going right now for him is probably smart just in case there is an injury. Clyde's proven that he can't really stay healthy for an entire year, and he's a guy that would make sense to kind of acquire due to that. Um, Mr. Four and the different position switch on Mr. Uh, you know, my B category, Mr. Optimism, is Traylon Burks. Um, he's seen a consistent growth in touches, targets, snap percentage, all of those numbers in this Tennessee offense, and then he got hurt week four. Um, right now is probably the best time you could attempt to acquire Traylon Burks because he's shown that he is consistently becoming the wide receiver one on this team. Um, you've All the numbers are basically saying it. His routes, he's been open so many times, and this offense has just been abysmal with spreading out targets and actually efficiently throwing the ball. Um, they haven't been very efficient on pretty much any aspects, but somehow they're still 2-2 two and two in Tennessee. Um, I'm going out to try and acquire Burks you probably don't even have to spend the same level of first that you paid for him in this year's draft to get him. And that is the type of move I'm looking to do because, well, I've seen enough from the separation, watching the games back, the film, 
and what he was starting to build toward rapport wise with Ryan Tannehill prior to this injury. I'm comfortable with it. Um, I'm comfortable making the move as well now because odds are you're not going to be using him for the next four to five weeks due to the knee injury. He's going to be cheap because of that. And if someone needs an immediate replacement, a guy that's been producing highly, um, a flip I would be making in a heartbeat is dubs and, you know, Basically, I'd be flipping dubs for Burks in a first or dubs for Burks and a high second is probably something that you could get done right now, which is wild to me. Um, another wide receiver that is in my optimistic category is Mr. Garrett Wilson. But um, a statement I would say is that I'm not highly optimistic. I said it before the season. I said it immediately when he had his big game. He is going to be basically what we've gotten out of Chase Claypool over the last two years, and that is a very spotty, very boom-bust prospect. He is in the mold of guys like Gabe Davis, guys like Chase Claypool, where they get a consistent enough Uh, not reception target total they have very low catch percentage on said target total and they will occasionally have that two touchdown game that will massively inflate their end of season totals it's very inconsistent as to when you can start a guy like Garrett Wilson and he's a guy that I really didn't like as a wide receiver coming in and right now he is ranked one two three four five He's wide receiver six, which is exactly where I had him in my pre-draft and post-draft rankings. Um, It's about where he is. It's consistently putting up the numbers that I thought he was going to. Abysmal games mixed in with a couple, well, just really one boom game. And that's kind of what you got. If you can get out now for a, uh, you know, uh, someone that's still very high on him after that big blow-up game that he had two weeks ago, He's a guy that I'm attempting to move, um, and he's a guy that I think you could still get a decent price for just because of that illusion of, oh, well, there's the ceiling. We've seen it. Let's go ahead and acquire it because we saw it once. Um, He's just a guy I I have very little confidence in this offense and very little confidence in him specifically in the offense to continue success throughout this year and going forward as long as the quarterback position stays the same. Uh, A very surprise name that is probably going to pop up on this list for a lot of people is Marco Washington for the Denver Broncos. Right now, he is number two in the league in punt and kickoff return yardage. Um, He is shifty AF, and he's a guy that, as this offense still continues to struggle to, you know, facilitate pass catchers for some reason, Russ, uh, you know, cooking on a a Bunsen burner basically is what we've been getting as opposed to a roaring campfire. Um, Marco Washington is a very shifty guy. He's another athlete that kind of falls into that category of a guy like KJ Hamler. KJ Hamler has not shown that he's been able to stay healthy for a prolonged period of time, and he has had a couple of big flashy plays this year coming back from injury. So Marco uh, Washington could easily just jump into that spot for Denver right now, take over that. He's a guy that's basically free, probably on your waiver wires in a lot of dynasty leagues. And he's a guy I'm attempting to acquire and stash on my taxi right now or deep on my bench on those deeper rosters for dynasty purposes, um, because I think he might have a role on this team going forward. Uh, the guy tried and true to my heart that has not seen pretty much any work, but has actually shown a couple of third down late catches for some reason that he's been rotated in is Mr. Khalil Shakir. Um, in two back-to-back games, he's had a fourth quarter completion deep, deep, deep into the game on third down when they absolutely need it. They put in Khalil Shakir because the boy is still separating. Um, this dude is so good and when he's on the field he looks better than the production we've been getting from Jamison Crowder or Isaiah McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie had one blow-up game where he was targeted double-digit times, force-fed the ball, and that was the game plan. I understand that he had the good game. I understand that we haven't seen anything even remotely close to a guy like Khalil Shakir, but he's still a guy I'm attempting to 
acquire because when he's on the field and when they give him his shot, he is producing and he is looking so good doing it. It's in big spots, and Josh Allen trusts him. They had a really uh, real cute moment on the sideline after his catch where he basically, like, bear hugged him, picked him up and everything like that. Um, he's a guy I'm still high on. He's a guy that's dirt cheap, probably on some waiver wires or taxi squads currently that you could make a move for if you want him on your taxi squad. And it's a move I would be attempting to do. Um, for instance, I was able to flip in a tight end premium earlier this um, season, week two, actually. I was able to move Isaiah Likely for Khalil Shakir and a second round pick in a tight end premium. Um, that was a move that I was able to make, and I am ecstatic looking at Isaiah Likely and what he's done since then. Um, it is not consistent, and I didn't think it was going to be, but we'll get to that in about two categories. Uh, the last player on this Be Optimistic category list for me is Mr. George Pickens. He's shown the flash plays. He's shown when he's given the ball, he can be consistent. But um, unlike his claim that he is open 99% of the time, he's not separating very well. He's not separating pretty much at all. Um, he's not constantly open. A lot of his catches, because they are circus catches, people forget the fact, well, they're that way because he's tightly covered pretty much everywhere on the field. Um, not the best separator. It was one of the concerns about his game overall is that he was making the circus catches. He's great in contested catches, similar to the other big-bodied wide receivers. Um, his comp was A.J. Green due to the fact that A.J. Green didn't separate very well in college, and we're kind of seeing the exact same thing. So until he starts getting a more consistent target share in the offense, which is something I'm optimistic will happen further down the road. Um, I'm kind of staying off of him. People are still pretty high on him, so he's just kind of a hold player. I don't think you're going to be able to acquire him for what I'd be comfortable acquiring him for right now and selling him. You're going to probably have to sell him cheaper than you want to. So um, he's a, just a hold piece for me and a guy that I'm just comfortable and optimistic about going forward. In the C category, um, we're going to start off with two quarterbacks um, that'll kind of probably surprise you. Um, this is my concern category. Um, Kenny Pickett, only one game, looked just as bad passing the ball as Trubisky did, but threw in some rushing um, aspects that for some reason they were running with him, but they were not running with Trubisky and uh, looked pretty good doing it. A little bit concerned about him. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to classify this entire category as concern. It's just more of a middle tier wait and see type of category. I'm interested to see what he does going forward. You're not going to be able to acquire him for anything now just due to the fact that he's now officially a starting quarterback in the NFL. But he's a player I'm in. Uh, interested in specifically in Superflex, just kind of acquiring him. You can still get him cheaper than what you would have had to pay for him in the rookie draft. So that's always something that's going to pique my interest when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, another guy that's probably free in a lot of your leagues, uh, Bailey Zappi. Right now, the quarterback position in uh, New England has not been very locked and loaded. Um, Zappi <laughs> looked just as efficient as Mac Jones did in the offense, which isn't surprising considering how he's an extremely adept system quarterback where if you put him in a specific system, he's a student of the game and will continue to prosper in said system. My concern is that people wouldn't tailor a system towards him. He went very, very late in the draft due to said concerns and he's in the perfect scheme fit right now um he's basically mac jones 2.0 so if issues continue to arise and efficiency is something that you're looking for in the quarterback position um zappy's a late round flyer i'm probably attempting to acquire um, but it is a wait and see if anyone's asking a stupid amount for him anything really higher than like a third next year even in a super flex i'm probably avoiding um <clears throat> and that's a mid to late third 
albeit. Uh, two, sorry, not two, three running backs, all of which fall in the same category of I haven't seen enough to give them praise or say that they are optimistic in my eyes, but my interest is piqued by them is Rashad White, Tyler Algier, and Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren, when he's touched the ball, has been efficient. Tyler Algier, when he has touched the ball, has been efficient. Rashad White, when asked to do the pass-down work, has been efficient. All three of these guys have not seen a lot of work in their respective offenses. All three of them are guys that are kind of being thrust into the limelight due to some injury concerns and or some, you know, game scripts recently over the last two weeks. And the guys that Right now, I probably wouldn't be acquiring, probably wouldn't be selling if I had them. If someone wants to pay up for any of these three guys, basically higher than what I drafted them for, I'm comfortable moving them. Um, but there are three guys I'm keeping my eye on at the running back position, specifically Jalen Warren. He's been, you got the preseason hype. Um, he has been the running back too. He's seen all of the snaps not going to not going to Najee Harris. Benny Snell is a thing of the past now, and he's been extremely efficient when he touches the ball. Um, Algier did a very efficient 10 touch for basically 80 yards last week, and Rashad White did a very impressive receiving work in a game they were getting blown out by the Kansas City Chiefs in. But three guys I have my eyes on. Um, Again, it's just acquisition cost. If you can get higher than what you paid for them in the rookie draft, I'd probably be moving them. But if you can't, I'd just be holding them and waiting and seeing. Um, The first wide receiver in this category of two is Mr. Alec Pierce. This is where I start to fall into the concern category. Um, They need wide receiver options in that offense. It's not as run heavy as people are thinking right now. And Alec Pierce just hasn't seen the consistent work in this offense. There's something weird going on with Matt Ryan in here. Um, Everything looks harder than it needs to in Indianapolis on the offensive side of the ball. Sorry, Memphis, uh, if it helps you feel better, the Bears are significantly worse still. Um, But... Alec Pierce is a guy I'm a little bit concerned about. Um, He was supposed to come in and have a role. His role has been pretty crappy. Um, So he's a guy I'm probably trying to sell. If I can get that late second that you probably had to use to pay for him right now or an early third, I'd probably be flipping him just because I'm not really liking what I'm seeing. And it's far enough into the season where I should have seen at least a little bit right now. Um, Another concern is a guy in Kyle Phillips with Tennessee at the wide receiver position where he had a very, very consistent production in week one. Um, they were trying to feel out this offense, I feel like, a little bit in week one. So he went with the safety blankets of the tight end and the wide receivers over the middle and Ryan Tannehill in that week one loss. But the thing is, since then, he has put up no receiving production. I think he has one catch of the last three weeks, and it is something that I am out on. If you can try and flip him, basically saying the fact that now Burks is out for a couple of weeks, Kyle Phillips is going to fill that role, it'd be something I'd be trying to do now. Um, If you want to wait a week until he inevitably probably has another 10-point PPR game this coming up week and flip him for a second, which is not even remotely what you had to pay for him, that's something I'm probably a little bit interested in. A high third even. That's that's the range you could probably get him in, the same range as a guy like Alec Pierce, just based off of the scheme the production that he would then have in two out of the last five weeks, and realistically a guy who's probably still going to be fed while Burks is out. Um, A guy that I am very concerned in is Mr. Jelani Woods. As you all know, I wasn't super high on him at the tight end position. I thought he was a projection, and I thought he was basically just Mo Cox 2.0. And guess what? It's exactly what we've seen. Uh, He's had one game where he has had two receptions for two touchdowns and 10 yards, and other than that, has done jack shit. He's averaging basically a 18% target share slash, uh, sorry, not target share, an 18% snap share in this offense right now, which is abysmal. Um, and on a team that is not very productive, as I said, without Pierce, he's a guy I'm attempting to move to anyone who is wanting a tight end or to take a flyer in a tight end premium just due to that boom game. 
That is my C category. Um, my D category is something that I classify as stalling. These are players that I am... I'm concerned, is how I'll say it. I'm concerned with the production that they have put up in the first four weeks, and if it continues in the next two weeks, they're probably going to be in my F category um, by the time we get to my midseason group. Um, this category has nine players in it, and the first two are going to be quarterbacks, Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis. Both of these teams' offenses have not been as productive as they need to be. Ritter, it makes sense a little bit more than Willis does for why he has not seen the field, but the Tennessee offense is basically abysmal, and Willis only came in in a garbage time blowout loss where Tannehill looked also abysmal, but guess what? Willis couldn't throw the ball to save his life in that game. The only thing he did that was productive is run, and that's pretty much all you can expect for him going forward. Ritter was basically lauded during the preseason and offseason as being a you know, a hand-in-hand competitor for a guy like Mariota. So he's a guy that I would expect to come in at some point this year. It's looking like it's going to be later, um, but he's a guy that is just kind of stalling the hype that I had for him. Um, I really need to see something for him because if the team continues to lose games as it has in a similar fashion to a Pittsburgh Steeler and the offense isn't as effective as it is, especially with now um, Patterson going down, then bringing in two rookies to basically replace the production that he had. If we start to see another bad game or we see like a two interception half for a guy like Marcus Marietta, that's when I expect Ritter to come in and I want to see some production, at least see him throw the ball so I know that he is alive. Um, Going on to the next position, um, this one is a running back position for the stalling group and it makes up three guys that two of which were pretty high in a lot of people's, um, one of which was high in my preseason and postseason Uh, sorry, post-draft board, and that is Kenneth Walker with Seattle. Um, He came in with an injury, missed week one, but he's been active the last three weeks, has put up basically no numbers. He's averaged about three PPR points a week thus far, and Rashad Penny looks like a freaking god out on the field right now. Um, That's probably why Kenneth Walker isn't getting a lot of work. His pass blocking was a concern for some people, as well as for Pete Carroll in the preseason, but um, he's a guy I expect to be phased in a little bit more. It's just the the issue is with this offense as it's always been. And with the fact that they're still scoring like crazy due to the fact that Geno, (laughs) Geno Smith actually looks like a good quarterback right now. Um, I don't see them mixing it up right now. So again, he's probably a guy that you can get cheaper now than you could at any point. And he's a guy I'm probably attempting to acquire. Um, I'm not giving up a first right now for him um, as you shouldn't be. And if, you can get him for a second, which might be possible. It's probably something I'm doing just due to the fact that, I mean, when's Rashad Penny going to get hurt? I know we don't want to bank on that, but like this guy, if he is getting the workload that Penny is getting in that 22 to 24 touch a game, you're going to see some production right now. He's getting two to three touches a game. Um, The guy that I am extremely concerned with in this category that's stalling out is James Cook. Fumbling issues can't protect on passing downs. He's doing exactly what I freaking said he was going to be doing. And the fact that too many mouths to feed in this offense, they're not going to be throwing the ball to a guy who can't pass protect. They're not going to be throwing a ball over the middle to a small guy who doesn't show consistent hands. He's had a couple of drops this year and he just inconsistently puts up his touches. He did this in college. He's not a good receiving back. He's an okay runner of the ball. He's fast, but he's small. And guess what? Devin Singletary is playing amazing right now. They gave Zach Moss a bunch of touches because they couldn't trust James Cook in a lot of categories. He's a guy I told you I wasn't in on 
prior to the draft, wasn't in on post-draft, and I'm definitely not in on right now. The only reason he's not in the F category for me right now is that he is getting some touches. It's just he has not looked good when he has been touching the ball. Devin Singletary has looked significantly better and is the lead back consistently and going forward on this team. So he's a guy, like I said, if I don't see a boom game from him in the next four weeks, he's going to be in my F deuces category where I am out. Hassan Haskins is the other running back that's in my stalling group. Um, he can't beat out Dontrell Hilliard. I know we never anticipated a large production from the RB two in this offense, just due to the fact that uh, you know, just due to the fact that Derrick Henry gets a lot of carries when he's healthy and when he's in the game. Um, but Hassan Haskins can't beat out a career backup in Hilliard. He can't beat out a guy for passing downs where outside of the two touchdown performances and one big play has done basically nothing. For this offense over the last three weeks and um haskins has the all-around encompassing skill set to do it he's a better pass blocker than hilliard and henry are so i don't know why he's not in there more in third down and i am concerned it is stalling any of the praise that i had on him prior to the season and he's a guy again if anyone wants to give you pretty much anything if you want to try and move him to the derrick henry handcuff um as a derrick henry handcuff to the henry owner i'd be doing that but he's a guy that, if I don't see anything in the next four weeks, probably going to be out on him just as another jag. Um, the wide receiver that is in this stalling group for me is Sky Moore. Um, it's pretty much what I anticipated happening on this offense, but I anticipated him getting more snaps. Right now, he's pretty much exclusively reserved as the punt returner. And that's basically all we see Sky Moore at. Um, he's been in the offense a couple of times, but he's had a couple of really bad drops for the Chiefs offense on third down where Patrick has trusted him and then dropped it. Um, it's happened two times. Um, I believe it was week two and week three. He had one at each that I was watching. And he's just not going to get work like that. Um, everyone has been pretty consistent on this offense. It's actually the most efficient offense in the league right now, which shouldn't shock anyone if you watch the games. Um, but every wide receiver on the team right now is better than him and playing better than him so i foresee that happening and continuing um he's a guy that i would probably be acquiring and probably one of two guys in this category i'd be acquiring with walker just because depressed value versus what they were drafted at is probably going to be the highest right now that it was unless they just you know, fall off the face of the earth over the next four weeks. Um, but just, you know, go sniffing around to Kenneth Walker and Sky Moore owners just to see where they're at with them. Um, just see if they want to move it, maybe for a piece that's still young and being a little bit more consistent, um, or if they're stayed pat and just going to, you know, lean into their draft capital type of move. Um, going on to the tight end position, actually, I have three in my stalling group. There are three guys that I was optimistic about, but that I have not seen pretty much anything from. Isaiah Likely, like I said, had that boom preseason week, but that is the most production by far that you will probably ever see from this man. Um, there are a lot of targets to go around in this offense. Baltimore has been throwing the ball more now than they have ever, but when it comes to slot snaps, there are three guys on this team in Bateman, Duvernay, and Mark Andrews that are getting basically all of the work and then Isaiah likely is just sitting in the stands hoping that he gets some kind of target going forward uh, not a huge fan of what we've seen from him uh, he has seen one heavy target game but he only caught two passes in set game and he just consistently is putting up basically two receptions for about 10 to 15 yards every game uh, he's a wait and see guy I would not be attempting to acquire him right now because there's still the allure that he could do what he did earlier um, I'll pay up for him down the road if he starts to flash um, 
Chigazine Okwanko uh, with the Tennessee Titans can't beat out um, <laughs> Jeff Swaim, so that's concerning to me. I'm pretty much off of him right now. Um, this, I, I'm not really on any of the Tennessee players right now outside of Burks at cost just due to the fact that the offense is pretty bad. Um, I, I just don't like their outlook going forward. Jake Ferguson right now, uh, he's still he's still in my you know line of sight on my radar right now. Um, right now, looking out at what we should be seeing in 2023 with uh, the inevitable Schultz shipping off, realistically. Um, but right now, he's putting up no production. Even in the game that Schultz missed, he did absolutely nothing. Was still running second fiddle to Noah Brown and some other tight ends on the list. So he's a guy I'd probably be acquiring super cheap, but you probably don't have to pay anything for him because realistically, someone's going to drop him at some point this season, and you should be able to pick him up for free on the waiver. That is the end of my de-stalling category. Um, my <laughs> biggest category by far is my F category, and it is my deuces category. Every player in this list right now is a guy that I'm trying to ship off for max value with absolutely no second thought. Um, first one, TDP. Um, hasn't been doing it, isn't getting the cut, isn't going to get the cut. May he put up one double-digit game if there's an injury that is to spell someone later on, but yes, I don't care about that. Trying to get out right now. People were crazy drafting him in the second, late second, early third. Um, if I can get a early third for him right now, definitely doing it. Uh, Zamir White, guy that was going in the late second. Uh, if I can get a late second for him right now, doing it in a heartbeat. Josh Jacobs is basically saying F you to every person that doubted him over the last 18 months, including the Raiders staff. Zamir White <laughs> literally has seen two touches over this first four week span in this offense he's running as the rb4 and rb5 in certain situations not seeing the field at all only in latent games when they're spelling random people um i'm out isaiah spiller out slightly injury slightly injury related starting the season but he can't beat out joshua kelly now that he is healthy not here for it pierre strong and Kevin Harris, running backs for the New England Patriots. They're not beating out the two that are in front of them. Um, both are staying healthy. Both are staying efficient. And they're both pretty much dead to me. R.I.P. Pierre Strong. Snoop Connor, LOL to anyone who was hyping him up before the season. He's gone. James Robinson's back, baby. Etienne struggling mightily. Offense, question marks abound, but the running game is consistent right now. Connor is just not a part of it and won't be a part of it. Kyron Williams um, with the Rams, same reasoning. The uh, offense is very sketchy right now in L.A. Um, a lot of question marks with Matthew Stafford throwing the ball, which was really the only upside that we were seeing with Kyron Williams due to his skill set, matching higher to a um, Henderson role if Henderson were to go down. But Kyron hasn't seen the field at all, basically. Not a good pass. Um, sorry, a great pass blocker, but is not being used in said category. Just hasn't been efficient when he's seen touches, even in the preseason. And Henderson looks extremely explosive when he gets the ball, has stayed healthy, as well as Cam Akers looking like absolute garbage. Um, but there's no way he's getting on the field. I'm out. If I can sell him for pretty much anything, I'm going to flip him. If uh, I have a Cam Akers owner who wants a handcuffed or a Henderson owner that wants another handcuffed, just in case, I'm probably trying to move him to those guys. But I'm out. Um, Ty Chandler shouldn't have been on your roster at all anyways, but he is off my radar at all. Um, not getting any touches in Minnesota and never will. Tyler Beatty is a RIP moment. He was dropped by the Baltimore Ravens. Um, he's a guy that I had hopes for, but is completely off my radar now. Um, Tristan Ebner is a guy that is, is seeing some work from Chicago, but looks really bad when he does get the work. Um, he's a guy that shouldn't be on the field, shouldn't be spelling guys like... Um, 
like Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery, even with the injury last week, he was getting carries. He definitely shouldn't have been in game time decisions. So um, a lot of concerns with the Chicago Bears. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Keontae Ingram is off my radar. You know, Benjamin is the only one that is getting carries in this offense, even with the injury to a guy like <clears throat> like James Conner um, out on his prospects, which is unfortunate because he's a guy that I did like a lot. If I can sell him for anything, I am. Uh, Britton Brown was a running back that was drafted to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, he's a guy that a lot of you probably don't even know that are on the Las Vegas Raiders, and he's a guy that I'm out on. He is currently RB5 on the depth chart, and yeah. Um, the next category is my wide receivers in this, and there are going to be three players right now that I'm trying to sell kind of at peak value. Um, I understand the allure with the first guy that I'm going to talk about, um, David Bell, with the fact that Sean Watson will be coming back, but I, I'm I'm at the point where I'm probably going to sell him to a <laughs> to a team that is more optimistic for it. Uh, if I can get that early second for him, I'm going to try and do it because <laughs> uh, specifically if they're if the owner has Deshaun Watson, I think that's the perfect meld that you're going to get because odds are his team's not very good right now. He's looking at the future. Um, if you can get like an early second for this guy or even probably a mid second, I'm probably doing it just because I, I, I've seen enough on the field with the snaps that he's gotten to not really be impressed with what we're getting from him on the field. Uh, another wide receiver that was getting a ton of hype prior to the actual <laughs> season starting that has done absolutely nothing, even though the team has been bleeding with a passer dearth and a wide receiver dearth. Uh, Jalen Tolbert out on him. If I can get a second for him for a team that's optimistic, pretty much anything for him. I'm trying to flip him right now. And then Christian Watson, uh, you could <laughs> you could probably still get that early second for him right now. Uh, I would be waiting until he has a game of any kind in the double-digit range coming up to just kind of double down and get that second for him as a possible option on this offense. Um, but we, we've kind of seen what we expected. It's, it's looking a lot like it's going to be an MVS 2.0 um, with the same concerns that MVS had in drops. So those are just three wide receivers I'm out on in my F category trying to sell and acquire what I can for them now. Uh, another wide receiver, uh, there's actually three more. Uh, Danny Gray, Eric Ezukanma, and Calvin Austin have seen absolutely zero work. Uh, not joking, zero offensive snaps over the first four games. Danny Gray has had four total snaps um, out of that group. The other two have had none. Um, I'm out. No reason to roster them. These were just kind of jags, guys we were throwing darts at late in our drafts anyways. And if I can get another late dart throw for next year, I'm very comfortable doing that. Going on to my tight end position, three guys I'm out on, three guys that I had optimism for, but that uh, now I'm concerned for. Uh, K. Dotton, LOL to anyone who is hyping him to take over that tight end role for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Charlie Kohler, RIP, my understanding of what a full-rounded tight end is in the rookie draft. Um, I thought it mattered. It doesn't matter. They just want speed and pass catchers, and I think I'm going to be adjusting adjusting my uh my thoughts on tight ends a little bit going forward over the next couple of years for rookies specifically. And then Cole Turner um, with the Washington commanders can't see the field at all. He's like tight end like five right now. I don't know why they wasted a third round pick on him, but I am out. If I can get any of those guys, a later, like, you know, the third round picks in a tight end premium, I'm attempting to move them ASAP. The last category has a lot of promising names, and these are going to be guys that I am probably going to be telling you to go out and acquire a lot of these guys, um, just due to the fact of most of them are injured. Um, Matt Corral, nothing has shown me with the Baker experience that he has grabbed the reins on this QB position right now. 
Um, I I would love to see what would be happening right now if Corral was the backup and not on IR because there, I think there's a strong possibility he could have already seen snaps this season just with how bad this offense has been for Carolina. But Baker really hasn't been the answer for this team. They're competitive due to their defense a lot of the time, but that's about it. Um, if all they needed is a guy to check down to Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore for five to six yards every time, then I'm sure Corral can do that just as well if they um, you know, elect to not go after a big-name quarterback or another rookie in next year's draft. He's a guy I think could still have a spell on this team as a quarterback. And in Superflex, you could probably move a a late, a projected late third right now for him. And that's a move I'm trying to do. Um, another injury related one, Sam Howell hasn't seen any work because of an injury that's been kind of lingering. I believe it's a lower body hamstring injury. Um, but with this offense, uh, with how Carson once has been playing, I don't see it happening. Um, if anyone's sniffing around or desperate for quarterback depth going forward, I'd probably be trying to flip him. Uh, Skylar Thompson is the last quarterback on this list. I'm actually still trying to kind of acquire him right now. Um, that the team in general likes him a lot, and you know the K State alum in me likes him a lot. But I'm looking at his prospects going forward, and I just don't really see. I I, I don't really see an issue with trying to acquire him extremely cheap for like a fourth round pick and a super flex. And you could probably get him for a fourth round pick and a super flex just on the off chance that we see him come in at some point over the next couple of weeks with Tua's injury. Cause you're not going to probably be able to get him for that after that, uh, going on to the running back position. There are, Two guys that have been injured all season that I'm still optimistic for. Mr. Brian Robinson, uh, you're probably not going to be able to get him right now. You probably don't want to pay whatever the owner is asking for right now, now that he's been medically cleared to play. Um, but he's a guy I'm optimistic for. I'm very interested to see how he does in his touches over the next couple weeks once he starts getting worked in. If he creates a spark of any kind on this offense, then I'm probably in trying to acquire him. Um, but the thing is, Antonio Gibson has looked good. Um, the offense in general has had a lot of weapons in the past game look good. So if he can do some work on the ground, I think you're going to see a consistent option that if you've been holding him on your taxi and or holding him on your IR and redraft or sitting him on your taxi, you may be able to play him later on. I just don't think it's going to be until after the midway point of the season. Uh, Jerome Ford with the Cleveland Browns is a guy that I'm still optimistic for long term. Uh, the running back position right now, though, is Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, per usual, just absolutely obliterating teams and then nothing else behind them. Um, he's a guy you're going to have to wait for, and I'm not trying to acquire him right now. Uh, Jameson Williams, forgotten man. Uh, hard knocks didn't do a lot of work for him at the wide receiver position, showing any clips pretty much at all they showed him like two or three times across the entire series um, but he's a guy that's out of sight out of mind you can probably acquire him for a little bit cheaper especially on a team that is a contender that is needing a now win piece um, maybe a team that lost a wide receiver of the last couple weeks or has been waiting for new Hopkins to come back in two weeks um, that needs someone as a fill-in now uh, it's probably the perfect time to try and acquire Jamison Williams because realistically he's not going to be playing for another four to five weeks you can leverage that aspect when you're attempting to acquire him and he's a guy that I'm very optimistic for in this offense because Jared Goff has been letting it loose and slinging the ball around pass catchers galore the offense actually looks good it's just the defense looks absolutely atrocious so if that continues going forward Goff has done nothing this year to prove to me that he really shouldn't be the quarterback in 2023 and if he is we know how consistently he can throw it to a deep target that like separation like a Jamison Williams so I'm pretty optimistic for what we can see um, a guy in this list that I'm not optimistic for is Wandell Robinson um, him and Kadarius Tony have been hurt this entire year 
with lower body injuries, um, the little work that he did see, he didn't look that impressive in. And in all reality, you're just going to probably see exactly what we're going to see with Kadarius Tony, just without the luster. We haven't seen anything to prove the fact that Wando Robinson can be a player in the NFL right now. Uh, the Giants have been screaming for help all year um, for any type of offensive playmakers outside of Mr. Saquon Barkley, and they're not getting it from Wando Robinson. I would probably be attempting to sell him right now on the name cachet and the understanding that he has been injured to a player that is a big fan. If you're in a league with Mr. Britt Sanders, a.k.a. the FF Sandman, uh, try and sell him to him because he'll probably still buy him. A uh, guy I'm still optimistic for, John Mechie. Um, probably mid-season is probably the peak the peak buy window for him as someone is really looking to make that push for the NFL. Um, but you could uh, The playoffs, sorry, the fantasy playoffs. But um, if you want to try and acquire him right now, I think it would be smart. You'd probably just pay a third right now for him to get him. Um, but uh, if you're going to move a piece, just like a consistent piece that's been doing just like enough wide receiver work right now to get a guy like John Mechie would probably be worth trying to move. Um, I'm trying to think of a name that would, would even be in the ballpark, but it's a little bit hard. Uh, like, like with how the offense has been playing and the consistency that he's actually shown, a guy's like Quez Watkins, you could probably switch for John Mechie and get away with it at this point in the season. A guy that I am going to be advocating for trying to acquire uh, more than anyone um, is the next, sorry, sorry, we'll do one more name, then two in a row that I'm advocating highly for, uh, Valus Jones Jr. was injured this entire first four weeks, or first three weeks of the season, came in last week, looked amazing in his punt and kick return role, and then muffed a kick that lost us the game late in the game last week, uh, it's still a TBD, but I can't really give him a complete grade because he has been injured this entire time, um, he saw one offensive snap total with the offense, which is a little bit concerning for a third round pick. But when he's coming in and doing what I needed him to do on the special teams role, I'm very optimistic that he can be successful for us like Jakeem Grant was last year. Uh, looking at two players, though, that I'm telling you, you should be acquiring right now. The number one on the list is probably going to surprise a lot of people. It's Tyquan Thornton. Um, the dude looked really good in the preseason and looked really good week one as he was breaking his collarbone. Um, I would be attempting to go out and acquire him cheap right now. He will be coming back before the fantasy playoffs. Um, he's a guy that is a great wide receiver depth right now, which I didn't think I would say, but the quarterbacks liked him in the preseason. He's going to be extremely cheap for you to acquire. Um, people burned a second round pick on him and then he got injured with a broken collarbone for a minimum of eight weeks, which is probably something just psychologically people can't stomach very well. So if you offer them a late third or even a early fourth potentially or two fourths, you can probably get a guy who's going to see consistent targets because none of the wide receivers on that team right now have shown any consistency in separating or catching the ball for the quarterbacks. And if Tyquan Thornton comes back, we've seen the explosion firsthand with him on the field in the NFL. The second player I'm highly attempting to acquire right now is Greg Dulcich. He has been on injured reserve the first four weeks. Um, he will be coming back soon um, with the lower body injury and the tight end group for this Denver Broncos team is absolutely abysmal. Dulcich was looking like he was going to be a breakout candidate early due to the preseason work, but picked up that injury and now we've seen the ramifications of not having him on the field. He's a guy I'm attempting to acquire tight end premium specifically, but I would probably be taking a flyer in normal regular dynasty leagues for just like a 2024 fourth trying to acquire him. <clears throat> I don't think that's going to really get it done, but if anyone needs any production from the tight end position, um, 
even moving a guy if you have depth like a Logan Thomas for Greg Dulcich and a second is a move I would probably be doing in a heartbeat, even in tight end premium. And then a guy we haven't seen anything from um, that I'm not super optimistic that we will now due to how good that the tight ends in front of him have looked in Tyler Conklin. Uh, Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State. He was a guy I was optimistic for, but was an extreme projection here at the tight end position in the NFL. That is going to continue for me. Um, Still a projection. Haven't seen anything from him. Not trying to acquire him outright right now. I want to see pretty much any work come from him in a regular basis and actually watch some film on him before I start making any true drastic decisions, but I don't have a lot of shares of him. I wasn't picking him up because he was a projection player. And kind of glad that I don't have to try and sell him right now to a team that's looking for depth. He's realistically one of those deep dynasty stashes that you won't touch for about two years. will stay on your taxi. Um, but if you need space on your taxi or on your end of roster, if you don't have a taxi, he's a guy I'm very comfortable dropping at this point because Tyler Conklin looks like the real deal for the New York Jets. And guys, we are coming towards the end of this episode. Um, a lot of players in total. I went over 8, 16, 24, 33, 63 players for you in a little under an hour, which is a lot of talking and very fast, as you all know. Um, but what I am looking at right now is a wide variety of players, some risers and some fallers that I didn't anticipate in the first four weeks, but pretty much status quo with kind of what I thought. There hasn't been a lot of big drops in my uh, categories from what I thought expectation-wise. Um, the biggest concerns for me right now um, that are stalling, uh, James Cook, very alarming to me. Isaiah Likely, all the hype is pretty much rubbed off for me from them uh and then the other ones uh the biggest ones where i'm just like sell now where i was at least a little bit optimistic prior to the season tdb zamir white and isaiah spiller uh, these are just jag running backs that are going to be fodder um, pretty much in the joshua kelly the um i mean they're, they're pretty much all the equivalent of what you would expect from a rb2 that we are hyping up every preseason for the los angeles chargers um there will be 10 guys like this next year. And so I'm pretty comfortable dropping all three of them, regardless of whether or not using them as a backup. So I'd be trying to move them to the teams that have the actual starters as the handcuff for cheap right now. If I can get anything close to acquisition cost in rookie draft, what I paid for him, that's what I'm shooting for. But this has been the fun episode to come back on, guys. This has been the rookie rundown on the DWZ network, covering rookie report cards of all kind for players in this rookie class. Again, I will be back with another episode like this at the tail end of week eight of the regular season to cover the midway point of the actual season and start looking forward towards guys that I'm trying to acquire looking at the, um, you know, looking at the fantasy playoffs, um, any guys that might be helpful. Um, I've kind of given you the guys I'm keeping my eyes on how I would attempt to acquire a lot of these players and the people that I'm avoiding trying to buy. There's quite a few wait and see players, which is to be expected. Cause again, we are only four weeks into the regular season, but there's been a lot of guys thus far that I'm very excited for, very happy for, uh, it's a well-rounded class. Ultimately, at the end of the day, every year we're just looking for 12 guys that would have been worthy for a first round pick when it comes at the end of the season. And if you get that, the class is kind of a success for me when it comes to fantasy. And it's looking like we're probably going to have something pretty similar to that. We're looking probably right around the 10 player range, which would be dope 
if we can get that. And hopefully there will be some quarterbacks that will sneak up on us here at the end of the season to give you some snooper flex love. Um, but as always, this is the end of the episode. Uh, you may catch me in your ear holes here again in a couple of weeks or maybe sooner than that if I'm making some splash appearances on some other ones. Like I said, work's dying down a little bit for me, so I have a little bit more free time. Um, but... It's rookie content. You can only cover it so much during the regular season. So catch me in the DMs, catch me in the Patreon group chat, and catch me on the next episode of the Rookie Rundown here when it drops. Thanks, guys. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. a game yesterday and if we win one today that's two in a row we win one tomorrow that's called a winning streak